Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the AR-15 Podcast. We are on the eve of an exciting uh, conclusion to uh, an election year. Uh, this is episode 191. We're going to have a roundtable tonight. We're going to kind of discuss the upcoming election and just kind of see uh, where the panel uh, sees the future and uh, whether we uh, think we need to get some shades or find a shallow hole to crawl into. Uh, so that being the case, why don't we introduce our guest tonight? And so, uh, John Richardson, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on a regular basis when you're not guest hosting on our show? Well, there's two places they can find me. First, there's the Polite Society Podcast at www.politesocietypodcast.com or at my blog, No Lawyers, Only Guns and Money, which is onlygunsandmoney.blogspot.com. So that's the one I'm not allowed to be on, right? Oh, you sure you are. <laughs> it's just that I was not a lawyer. Oh, okay. All right, Michael. Michael, you are a frequent contributor and a uh, host of your own podcast as well. So why don't you share with the listeners where they can find you on a regular basis? The uh, uh, Go to the uh, Firearms Radio Network and you'll see all the shows there. Mine is the Competitive Rifle Podcast, which uh, Anthony can attest to has been kind of uh, vacant lately due to uh, work and some travel. But some of it was really good travel. We'll get into that later. All right. Well, we do appreciate uh, John and uh, Michael, you guys coming on board and uh, helping us uh, form our roundtable. Um, we have our frequent, or our more recently frequent, uh, contributing uh, co-host here, uh, Anthony. Uh, tell everybody what you do on a regular basis. No, nah, I'm just kidding, because we already know what you do. I was going to say, what I do on a regular basis is I post the podcast so that all of you can find <laughs> it on the web and listen. So what we do is wonderful we, comments. <laughs> we chain Anthony to a desk. Uh, JD throws him the occasional can of beans that he has to figure out how to open so he'll continue to work like a beast of burden for us. Or a rifle barrel. There you go. <laughs> so, JD, um, how have you been this week? Uh, busy. We've uh, got a lot of stuff coming up uh, for the AR-15 podcast. Uh, our schedule is filling up. Uh, we're starting to schedule shows out into January now, so it's... Uh, it's a pretty live time right here at the podcast. So uh, we just released this week what we've had. Josh Waldron from Silencer Co. We released him on Monday. Uh, this morning we released uh, the first part of Rocky uh, Harrigan's interview from Unbranded AR. Uh, we're going to release this one probably Thursday or Friday. So three shows this week for you guys. We're uh, spoiling you a little bit, but we've got some great things coming up. Well, that being said, don't expect too much more afterwards, all right? So <laughs> we're, we're going to take a vacation. Yeah, we're, we don't want you to start thinking that we're going to give you three episodes a week from here on out. So, um, JD, why don't you tell the listeners how they can support the show? You know, we're growing right now in a in a phase where we really need your support. Uh, if you enjoy the AR15 podcast, the content that's provided, the interviews uh, that are brought, please consider um, making a, a kind of a gift. It's a supporter gift. Go to AR or firearmsradio.tv. Click on the AR-15 podcast page uh, through Pledge, and uh, there's several different levels that you can get involved in. 
if we had a hundred people get involved at that five dollars a month, uh, it would do pretty revolutionary things around here uh, as more recording mm-hmm. equipment and helping us upgrade some things. Uh, we're growing fast and we're seeing the numbers go through the roof. So uh, we need some technology to kind of keep up with that. So check it out. Firearmsradio.tv. Go to pledge and click on the AR-15 podcast. Tom Gonzalez, thanks for being a, a sponsor of the show at $32 a month. We really appreciate you. And uh, it all adds up, guys. So if you do five bucks a month, that'd be great. If you want to do one of the bigger battle boxes, that helps us out a lot, too. So check it out. Firearmsradio.tv. Click on Pledge and then AR-15 Podcast. And going till the end of the month, uh, until the end of November, we will be teaming up with RTT Firearms for that distressed flag builder set uh, that we have there on our website. That's firearmsradio.tv slash AR-15 Podcast. You can check that out there. Sign up to win it. Uh, RTT is also going to team up with us for Christmas. Uh, it's not going to be a builder set. We're going to add a barrel, a lower parts kit, uh, gas block, gas tube, stock, magazine, I believe. I think that completes the rifle out. So uh, we will be giving a complete rifle away, the third one of the year, uh, during Christmas. And then we're going to start ship- shipping some of those uh, lowers out there uh, as we get ready to face the inauguration, whoever may be it so check out fire a uh, com and uh, make sure you say thanks for them sponsoring the giveaways here on the ar-15 podcast well excellent thank you jd so before we get into our main topic and let jd moderate for us i want to let you know that we need to extend our thanks today wb military and brass for sponsoring tonight's main topic so we'd like you to go to jwbmilitary.com and use promo code ARP10 for 10% off of quality once-fired military reloading brass, AR-500 steel targets, and much, much more. So go ahead and head on over there and let them know that we sent you. Thanks. All right, J.D., you and get to tonight. be the guy in the box. <laughs> All right. And uh, thanks to JWB Military and Brass for tonight's main topic. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the election. Um, it is seems like every four years our favorite black rifle and other firearms are under attack. So we've gathered this illustrious panel, some of the sharpest, most brilliant minds that I could find on a Wednesday night during the Game 7 of the World Series. What? That would agree. That would agree. Come on. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk... And just kind of shoot the breeze on uh, what we think is going to happen, what we're feeling, what we're looking at, some local things, and uh, maybe some predictions in the future if it goes either way. So first up, Reed, I'm going to put you on the spot. What are your feelings uh, on the upcoming election as we are less than a week out? You know, I don't want to seem naive, but I'm really kind of optimistic that we're going to – um, have a pro Second Amendment White House. Um, you know, I, I live in Texas, and so we're kind of blinded by a very red-leaning uh, state that tends to um, bleed heavily that way. So I, I don't know that I paid too much attention to um, uh, any of the congressional races, uh, and, and I don't know whether there is any serious fear that uh, we're going to lose the majorities that we have right now. But um, I, I, I want to say that I'm optimistic. John from the uh, Polite Science Society podcast, what do you think? I'm kind of with Reed. You know, if you'd asked me a week ago, two weeks ago, I was going to go, oh, God, better get my <clears throat> ammo order in soon. 
But what I'm seeing is that stuff is starting to trend either towards a tie or more towards uh, Trump. Um, I almost have a feeling it's going to be like the British vote on Brexit. There are a lot of people who are subterranean Trump supporters. They just won't admit it in public because they're afraid their liberal friends will beat up on them. But then when they get in the the booth to vote, they're going to vote for Trump. And I live in an absolute purple state. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and right after those people vote, the uh, voting machines at Soros owns will conveniently convert those R's to D's. Uh, Well, I... You know, uh, Anthony and I, we live out here on the West Coast, so... Uh, or the left ye, coast, as I like to refer to it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so so ye all abandon hope who shall enter here. Um, they just signed in a bunch of wacky gun laws out here in uh, California, and many of them contradict each other. And there's another one, what was it Proposition 62, Anthony? 63, 63? is on the ballot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a total... Uh, whack job one dealing with the ammunition um and we'll we'll see what happens but it was uh interesting today i had to work today in a very liberal part of los angeles and one of the very very conservative guys that i've worked with before he goes i'm voting yes on all of this liberal crap because that's just going to take california faster and faster down the road to destruction See, as appealing as that sounds, and as much as I would like that to happen, it's going to be much more entertaining for those living outside of California when that happens. I unfortunately yeah, well, don't feel like I'm leaving in the near future, so uh, let's not go that's down true. the road. That's true, Anthony. I've got a few more gray hairs on you, and in about a year I'm going to be out of California. Uh, I will will you I will will you <laughs> – I was sorry about that. I will will you all of my uh, bullet buttons. Oh, good. Which I can't use. So, <laughs> yes. now you're coming to Texas, right, Michael? Um, but, um, yeah, I was, but now it seems like uh, many of these uh, liberal friends are invading uh, West Austin, where I wanted to move to. Well, you know that whole keep Austin weird thing. <laughs> oh yeah, and it is, and it is. Well, I, I would say I'm moving back to America. So. <laughs> So that uh, the Anthony and Michael, that proposition you're talking about, uh, background checks for ammunition purchases, a large capacity ammunition magazine ban, and uh, if you'd like to get milk, you need to pass a background check. So uh, that's a California Proposition 63. Do you think it's going to pass, guys? Um, I don't know. I think what might happen, because there's so many wacky propositions on the ballot – and I think people are either going to vote all no or all yes on them. And uh, most of the people I know, even some of my uh, liberal friends out here, they're voting no on all of it because it doesn't do anything that isn't already done. Yeah, it pretty much what it what the proposition does is because of laws that have already been signed into effect, it just moves the enactment date forward a couple of years. Um so it's kind of redundant, and again, like I said, there are so many weird things on the ballot this year in California, um, and some of them are very poorly written. Uh, I The general sentiment I'm hearing from a lot of people is, again, just all no. Um, so I am optimistic on that, and it's kind of nice because it does send a message to Sacramento. Hey, you know, the people directly are not interested in more gun control. Um 
which is encouraging to see, especially since uh, we, you know, you see the nationwide polls and it's saying, you know, 66% of Americans are, I believe that was the number, are against the uh, a renewed assault weapon ban, um, which is nice. And then looking forward to the election, the presidential election, the biggest issue I see for gun owners in the election is the nomination of Supreme Court judges. Um, so if we see Hillary, we know we're going to get a terrible outcome that way towards the Supreme Court, where we may even see some of the freedoms that we've won over the last couple of years taken back. Whereas if Trump is able to pull pull this out, um, where they, we get a chance of getting some good justices into the court, and hopefully we start seeing gun freedoms expand, because at this point, uh, that's looking like what we're going to need to happen in California is a favorable a two a favorable Supreme Court. Yeah, I just want to point out that the uh, <clears throat> you know prior to the recent vacancy, the historical Supreme Court swing vote was uh, a uh, Republican White House uh, appointee. So uh, never just uh, think that because we get a Republican in the White House, we're gonna have. Uh, oh, that's what kinda... I'm saying, and I I mean to go into that's why I say is we know we're gonna get bad with Hillary. We <clears throat> may or may not get something positive with Trump. Yeah. Well, know, um, here's a here's a sidebar. What do you guys think the real likelihood is that if we have a Democratic uh, a Democrat White House and a Republican legislature, uh, that I mean. Uh, assuming that we don't have a, uh, or assuming we have a filibuster-proof um, uh, Senate, then what's the possibility that they might just put their foot down and tell Hillary, "We're not going to put anybody you throw up there that's too far left on the bench and just hold out for another eight years"? Do you think that's a possibility, or do you think that they'll? cave with this whole, I mean, didn't they exercise a nuclear option the last time we had a justice? Uh, well, they threatened, <clears throat> they threatened to do it. What I'm seeing is if you had, you're going to have to have 53, 54 Republicans in the Senate, because if you have any sort of Democratic majority, they will go to the nuclear option. Um, it just doesn't... And, the Democrats are better at hardball politics than the Republicans, to be honest. <laughs> and then you're going to have people like Lindsey Graham, John McCain. If Mark Kirk gets reelected, those people will just cave. Well, now you're just kind of making me have a bad sour taste. <laughs> well, and I also would say it actually goes much beyond the Supreme Court. Yes, we're worried about who replaces Justice Scalia, but it's also who gets put on the district courts, and the Court of Appeals. I saw something the other day that said if Hillary's elected, by the end of her term, she'll have 79% Democrats on the bench. Yeah, but I'm not worried about the district court opinions because at the district court level, those guys are going to avoid throwing up decisions they'll get overturned on because nobody likes to have an appellate judge tell you you're wrong. So they're going to play it by the book. The problem is um, more... Uh, a Supreme Court and kind of on an intermediate basis, uh, uh, the appellate courts, but we still have hugely, um, uh, liberal and conservative majorities in different, um, uh, 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 circuits. So, I mean, if you're what, <clears throat> what's the California circuit? Is that the ninth? 
Ninth. Ninth. Yeah. I mean, if you're out there, that's that's so so left leaning. You're not going to get a conservative well, ruling. The Fifth Circuit, where I am, those guys are so right. I don't. I, they they'd have to you know kill them all off and appoint yeah. new ones before they could change that majority. Yeah, and, the, and the Ninth Circuit is the most overturned circuit by the Supreme Court. As long as it's a conservative Supreme Court. Yes. Well, one thing also you have to look at is the uh, uh, regulatory ability that uh, will be granted to some of these agencies. You know, look at what's happened now. We've had, what, two years ago, the last lead smelter, uh, licensed lead smelter in America was. uh, So that is really means no more refining of lead in America. So all the lead we need to get for our bullets, it's going to be, you know, recycled, reprocessed lead. Um, or probably something imported from China. Yeah. JD. Yeah, and the dog agrees there too. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to keep her. Was quiet that yours, JD? Yeah, oh. she's a 140 pound bloodhound who thinks she's a Chihuahua, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure she's a Democrat too. Not that that's a bad thing if you're listening and you're a Democrat, but she's a dog trying. Yeah, <laughs> um, so with those feelings and everything, let's take a look at two different scenarios that play out. Uh, one of them, what does a Trump victory look like to you for gun rights in the next four years for gun rights? Maybe uh, even the ASA getting the Hearing Protection Act passed, some things like that. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with Anthony. Uh, yeah, I, I do think a Trump victory leads to um, – even if it's a gradual expansion an expansion of gun rights, um, the Hearing Protection Act, I think if we can get Trump as a president and if the Republicans are able to uh, retain majorities, then I think there's a good chance of seeing the uh, act go through, seeing suppressors removed uh, from the NFA and all of that that goes along with that, which would be great. A great expansion for the firearms community because it is a very different experience uh, shooting a suppressed weapon versus shooting an unsuppressed weapon, and it's easier to get people involved, which is always good for us. Now, would the Hearing Protection Act apply to you since um, they're <laughs> not allowed? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you make me laugh. No. No. In fact, I, in fact, I think we just violated the law because there's two of us here. This is probably a conspiracy with Anthony and I because there's probably two of us here now talking about uh, suppressors. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I fired a weapon with suppressor on it. It's it's terrible. How can I ever live in California anymore? Oh God. Yes. <laughs> also fired a full auto weapon. Just yes. <laughs> So, Michael, what does a Trump yeah. victory look like to you in the next? Four um, years I think it looks. Uh, I think it looks pretty positive, and I think what it would also do. I mean, besides gun rights, it really kind of uh, energize the the country. We, I think, we're kind of tired of the uh, uh, politics as usual and the corruption uh, machine here. And I think it would motivate people to get more involved. Perhaps we've uh, evolved to a point where uh, we need to have. Uh, uh, more uh, reality and more entertainment in politics to get more people uh, involved. You know, trends are trends are changing. John? Well, I would agree with about the Hearing Protection Act. If there's a Republican majority in both the House and Senate, along with President Trump, what it could also mean, and this would be good for 
you guys in California, we might actually get national reciprocity on carry. Yes. I mean, that bill has been hanging around since, what, 2010, 2008. But you would finally have a president that might actually sign it. Right. Reed? You know, I I think that the the thing that that interests me about a Trump White House is that even if you don't have a supermajority in the Senate, um, I think it's quite possible that just I get the sense that Trump is a guy that's going to go in there and be a pragmatist. You know, I, I appreciate the dig in your heels, never budge an inch conservatives, but we live in the real world. And sometimes you have to give a little to get a little. Sometimes you have to, um, you know, take a whooping to get a point. Um, so the, the, the whole gridlock in Congress thing, I think, has the potential to be um, eased if someone with the skill and the wherewithal can sit um, at the executive branch and lead instead of what we've had for you know quite some time now. Um, and so to me, what that says is that regardless of um, how the uh, legislature shifts, as long as it's still a Republican majority, we may get a lot of the things that we all as firearms enthusiasts um, want in terms of legislature passed um, or, you know, um, supported uh, from the White House. Um, and I, I think that would definitely be positive. You know, I, I also wonder if, you know, the whole approach of being a businessman, of being an executive is going to translate in terms of how the administrative um, uh you know, departments are going to be handled. I mean, are they going to get into the ATF and clean house? Are they going to get into um, the IRS and clean house? Are they going to get into all of these different administrative branches and say, you know, hey, you know, it, you know, playtime is over. You know, it's time to get to work. You know, and you know, nobody's been doing the work that you've needed to be doing for some time. So, I mean, I, I think to me, those are the kinds of things that could happen. You know, it's all speculation. We all know that it is a political machine, and plenty of people have bashed themselves against it, trying to change it, and failed. But who knows? I think Trump has the kind of potential to make those kinds of changes, and I, I can't see that as being bad for, for you know, pro-Second Amendment um, firearms enthusiasts. Same question, but change just a little bit. What if it's a Clinton victory on November 8th? What does it look like for gun rights, for the Black Rifle, um, for the Second Amendment? John, let's start off with you. Well, continuing with a little bit of what Reed was saying, I'm not worried so much about legislation, but more about her control of the regulatory agencies, because that's where you're going to have gunsmiths having to pony up over $2,000 a year just to thread a barrel, where you're going to have... Uh, ATF yeah. go nuts, um, where you're going to have the EPA trying to shut down ranges over lead abatement, where you might have OSHA start you know, going into gun shops like you have lead here. It's a dangerous place. You know, That's where I think you would really start to see the problems. The, the bureaucrats would be let loose to wreak havoc. 
Uh, and you have a very good point there, what's happened in California with the regulatory. I've got a friend, he got investors together, he owns a gun shop, he's a manufacturer, they got a little over 250000 in uh, CNC machines to make machine parts. He went over and above for the filtration systems that he needed and the air, air handling systems. And uh, state DOJ came in there, said, yeah, you're good. FBI came in there, said, you're good. The county came in there and said, you're good. The last thing that they needed was approval from a organization out here in California called the Air Quality Management District, which has nothing to do with production or manufacture of anything. It was founded because people were lighting uh, uh, campfires on the beach. <laughs> and anyway, so they went in. He went above and beyond everything he had to do to make sure that the uh, water collection and the air filtration was safe. And uh, AQMD went in and complimented him on the efforts he took forth to make it a clean and safe working environment. And they said, oh, by the way, what are you going to be making? And he said, I'm going to be making firearms and firearms-related parts. And they said, well, we can't approve that. Simply because he, if he said I was making widgets or I was making whatever door stops, it would not have been a problem. Why so didn't he say he was making widgets? What's that? Why didn't he say he was <laughs> making widgets? This is too honest. Uh, and uh, of course, they're standing in the back of uh, his shop too. So, uh, but he, <laughs> he ma- he's he manufactures some other things too for uh, uh, the scientific and aerospace realm. So he said, fine, he packed all this stuff up. It's in Henderson, Nevada now. So him and the 11 employees he was going to have are, are out there. What's the name of the place? Uh, I'll tell you off here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're actually manufacturing parts for other companies now. Huh. That's just down the road. So, uh, Yeah, exactly. Anthony. Uh, yeah, I, <clears throat> I almost want to say welcome to California. For the oh. rest of the country, um, luckily legislatively you'll be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's going to be a whole lot of other ways that the executive branch can come after uh, come after your firearms rights. Like kind of like we've already discussed, um, I'm sure you will see the push for tightening um, federal laws. But as you know, if the Republicans maintain either the House or the Senate, it's not going to go anywhere. There's just a uh, you know, it's hard to do. And again, going back to the Supreme Court, um, I think we will start to see some things get pushed up there that aren't going to go our way as they have been uh, over the last couple of years. Reed? You know, I am reticent to say that it'll be a gun apocalypse. <clears throat> and and I, I do not in any way, shape, or form um, wish to have a Democrat in the White House uh, for any length of time in the future. But I do believe that uh, Clinton's way far left to appeal to her base. I don't think that she operates way far left. Uh, I think that there are too many people that want her doing them favors that have too much money for her to be operating all that far left because those interests are diametrically opposed to the far left. And I think that she is a business-as-usual politician. Now, well, hold on, hold on. I do think that she is going to expend some political capital, but I think she is far more savvy. Having been in this as long as she has, 
than Obama, who I think really um, he wasted a whole lot of that capital on his uh, initial efforts. And I think she's smarter than that. You know, I do think that she is going to grind away at all of the rights that we hold dear. I do think that she is going to do it in insidious ways. But I think that more like John said, you know, her control of, uh, you know, the regulatory agencies, her control of the executive um, uh, fiat, you know, the ability to, you know, bring into existence the, you know, old edicts of monarchy on her own to control um, the policies and things she wants done is is going to be, I think, more her style. But um, I, I, I don't know that it's going to be a slash and burn, you know, approach to an erosion of our uh, gun rights, which to me says that we can hold on to that kind of onslaught. I mean, we did it in 94, we waited 10 years, we got to the other side, we're fine. It hurt, you know, but did it really hurt? Or was it just, you know, everybody was a little irritated that we kind of slacked off too much and let it happen? But um, Well, what I would say, yeah, I, I think she is much more pragmatic than we give her credit for. But I think she's much more of an ideologue than her husband. If we look we think that her behavior is going to be the same as Bill's, I think we're making a mistake. Um, yes. She's more of an ideologue. That said, there are a lot of will-be business as usual, primarily for my business on Wall Street. Um, but even as an ideologue, I mean, is the Second Amendment really the principal plank in the Democratic Party? Or are they more concerned with the things that make their base come out and vote for them? You know, increasing the the dole. You know, making sure that it's easier to get on and you can stay on longer. That the social welfare state is uh, entrenched and enhanced. I mean, firearms. Heck, what do they care about that? Really, it's kind of you know, uh, soundbite politics when it really comes down to it. Because you know, how are they really going to do anything that's going to eliminate the the hold that you know the hobby has? you know, in America. Well, and, and again, I think you are right with the fact that Hillary is less idealistic and more into the power for power's sake, which is probably a good thing for us. Um, however, giving her that power, it enables her to play games if she chooses to do so. So maybe it becomes an issue right away. Maybe we see it an issue in two years or maybe nothing happens. Um, but as I think it's something that if she does get into power, it's something we need to keep our eyes on. She's, she's just going to become Ahmed. <laughs> Silence. I kill you. <laughs> Though she does get her way to, to overturn the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, you will see lawsuits out the wazoo to bankrupt the industry. Yeah, that was, oh, absolutely. All that means is that she's going to yeah, sign the bill that comes up. And that's really all that means. So yeah, with a Republican majority, can she see that bill? Will it ever get to her desk? Uh, yeah, I find that very, the Lawful Protection of Arms Act very hard to get rid of because most other industries don't need that. Uh, it's only for some reason that we've decided that it's okay to sue uh, firearms manufacturers for how people use inanimate objects. So I think it as much as he says she doesn't like the act, once you start looking into what the law actually says, it's a lot harder to get rid of it uh, than she's anticipating. So that's actually not one of my concerns if Hillary does win the election. 
Well, and at the end of the day, even if she overturns it, and even if the the preponderance of you know precedential weight is overturned, and people can now sue firearms manufacturers and win because they made an inanimate object that a criminal will with willful intent went out and used for some you know nefarious purpose. Even if all that happens, all that really means is the firearms companies are going to add a premium to every firearm sold so that they can continue to do business. It'll just make it more expensive. And that doesn't mean we won't get them. It just means we'll pay more for them. So the third the third likelihood or third thing that could happen during this election is uh, something I'm checking out for election projections that are showing um, that Clinton uh, will defeat Donald Trump by about 38 electoral votes. Um, but then the Senate and the House will remain in GOP control. Uh, what do you guys think it would look like there? Just a, a real quick answer before we move on. Kind of what we've had here with uh, Obama the last four years or so, where it's just been you know, a lot of huff and puff, and uh, I'll blow your house down, and now we come to 2016 and the house is still standing. Well, do, do, we have, think, John? do we have a supermajority? Uh, no. Yeah, I well, think that's it's a sucky question. Like, yeah, well, I, it's reality. I think what would happen, it's going to continue on as it is now. We're going to say huff and puff and let's go to lunch and what do you want? Let's give, let's, uh, give it to you there. I think unlike that's Obama, I do see Hillary as being much more politically astute in real world politics, a little less of an ideologue than he was but also knowing just because she's been there for over 30 years where the bodies are buried, so to speak, and how to push the levers, how to get stuff through Congress, unlike Obama, who just made pretty speeches. They weren't all that pretty. Well. (laughs) But if you like your speech, you can keep your speech. (laughs) Anthony? Uh, yeah, I, again, it's kind. Of, I feel like this is um, kind of what, we were, what I was thinking about when I was discussing Hillary. Is I think it becomes more of the deadlock in that we're seeing currently, but we still have to worry about what the president can do administratively ex- or executively through the through you know through the lettered agencies. Reed, you know. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I go back to my original <laughs> thought that when it comes down to it, if she cannot get a majority in the House and the Senate, then essentially what she has to deal with are, you know, real obstacles to getting any kind of an agenda um, out the door. Um, you know, Obama for two years was handed a um, legislature that was on his side, and you know, without the supermajority. Still struggled to get his, you know, horrendous bills passed. Um, I, I really, I really think that we can, you know, play defense. And if we have to, um, then that's fine. But we better keep those majorities for eight more years, or you know, they're just going to be held to pay when they shift. And you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, um, I think Hillary's. Dealing with the baggage of a an eight year White House that hasn't really you know moved the ball forward when it comes to what the electorate wants, 
you know, they want prosperity and they want jobs and they want, you know, a better standard of living. And if she can't deliver on that, um, I don't know that she's going to have eight years. Well, that's the other interesting thing here, too, which with the dislike on both sides of the candidates, are we looking at an eight-year presidency or are we looking at something that hasn't happened in a while where we only have a four-year presidency and we see some – you know, we see some shakeup coming again in four years rather than eight years of the status quo like we've had now. Mm-hmm. You know, if we have a Hillary elected for eight years, she'll be, what, 77 at the end of her second term? Trump would be 78 at the end of his second term? Right. I don't know if Hillary's health would hold out for that long. Trump, maybe yes. I'm not so sure about Hillary. Yeah, I think Trump might be a whiskey and cigar kind of healthy. Even though he doesn't smoke sure. nor drink. Yeah, three yeah. eggs and a rash or a bacon in the morning kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure Hillary's uh, uh, health is going to hold out for another, uh, what, six days. <laughs> Unless you're a Democrat, then it's uh, 7th because they're making a special uh, uh, election day, November 9th. All Democrats are supposed to vote. you got to go yes. vote for Hillary on the 9th. 9th. Yeah, hold off, though. Make sure <laughs> overwhelming support on the 9th. That's where you get that two yes. for one vote on the ninth. You know, right. you, one of your dead relatives yeah. can uh, vote. With you. <laughs> I was going to say, you bring all your dead relatives. <laughs> so now, guys, hold um, on a second. I've, I've got an interesting story now that we've talked about corruption and voting. <laughs> I went out in '04 to Philadelphia to be a poll watcher for um, the Republicans, and uh, I, I was a poll watcher in Philadelphia, but that's when I was in the Marines. So. <laughs> different kind of poll. <laughs> We're talking about yeah. a di- di- different thing. But um, uh, there were. I mean, let me let me tell you straight up. You know, uh, voter fraud is alive and well in Philadelphia, and there is no doubt. I have walked into polling stations before the polls opened to count votes on machines that had not been used yet. You know, uh, polling stations in people's homes so that they could intimidate or turn away people that they did not approve of um, actual fisticuffs at the polls keeping people that were not Democrats away from the state. I'm telling you alive and well in Philadelphia and that's that, that's the only thing I can attest to no other cities but if it's alive there what does that tell you? That's a city of brotherly love Reed mm-hmm. must be mm-hmm. all over the place uh, yep alright go ahead you guys uh do you guys have um, locally, do you have anything on the ballot that is an uh, initiative or something um, that is challenging to the Second Amendment or the Black Rifle? Here in Nevada, um, Bloomberg has decided to spend some $20 million to uh, have universal background checks coming here. Um, all the sheriffs um, in Nevada are opposed to it, except for the coward in Clark County who remains um, non-committed. Either way, in public, but uh, at several speaking events, has been seen actually being okay with it passing. So um, I can call our sheriff a coward. Um, so we have that on the ballot right now. Uh, about three weeks ago, it looked like it was going to pass just fine. Now it looks like it's neck and neck, and there's a, a large grassroots movement out here to keep um, Michael and Anthony out of our state and keep their laws out of our state. Yeah. So we're doing the best we can with that. That's the only thing that's really on the ballot. And if it passes, it'll take us three years before um, we can repeal it or do anything to it. So um, 
that's the one thing we're facing. You guys facing anything else in the places you're at? Well, the, one of the beauties of being in an old state, one of the 13 original colonies, is that we don't have the initiative. So we don't have to worry about Bloomberg coming to North Carolina. What we do have are a very, very close U.S. Senate race and a very, very close uh, gubernatorial race with a pro-gun senator and a fairly decent governor, Republican governor, both up for re-election with closer races than they should have had, especially the senator. Uh, tons of out-of-state money is coming in, um, though if Trump carries the state, I think both of those two are going to go back in. Reid? You know, uh, down here, uh, it's kind of business as usual. I don't think there's anything that's really on the horizon, but you know, I did have an opportunity to listen to a political science professor uh, point out that Right now, uh, 35 states um, have um, very strong Republican leadership um, at the helm. And he said of those states, 23 are controlled exclusively by Republican majorities. I mean, supermajorities. So they can do whatever they want. Um, But 35 states in Republican hands... uh, that is a powerful base. I mean, even if you cannot muster through, you know, the whole electoral college process, enough votes to get your candidate in place. If, as Greg Abbott, our state governor, um, has done, uh, if you're able to put strong conservative um, state um, governors and legislatures in place, there is every possibility that you could institute change from that level, which I think is a novel idea. And then, you know, until he, you know, began to to uh, speak about those uh, matters himself, I don't know that that was ever anything wild, you know, widely considered by the American populace about how we could take change um, into our own hands and you know force it upon. Um, Washington, D.C., that tends to not listen to us. And so I'm interested to see that evolve. And I think that if there were, at a minimum, a a Democrat in the White House, I don't think there's anything that would stop Abbott from heading down that road and beginning the process of trying to truly make change. Anthony, Michael? I I think we were talking about a little bit earlier with – Prop 63, um, there's nothing specific to Kern County happening. I don't know. I know you're uh, a little bit south. I don't know exactly where you're at. So, Yeah, I know there's there's nothing happening in the county other than, uh, you know, just raising taxes for taxes' sake. Uh, you know, the city of Los Angeles passed a measure outlawing the possession of uh, uh, standard – capacity magazines today or not today you know last year i i broke that law because they drove through the city carrying my non-standard uh magazines there of course it was for work and it's a funny thing that we're not exempt from it and we're like so figure this one out batman um but what we have on the ballot there too is that prop 63 which i was pulling that up um it's going to uh require people that sell uh ammunition to do a background check, um, 
It's going to prohibit uh, the possession of, you know, large capacity over 10 round uh, uh, magazines. Uh, you know, what you're supposed to do with them, you know, nobody knows. Nobody has, has said anything. Um, it's going to be very uh, onus to the gun stores or Walmart. Well, Walmart probably won't even sell uh, ammunition in California anymore um, if this passes. It's just absolutely uh, ridiculous. None of this stuff works. And what we've seen in California, whenever they've passed any of these laws, is uh, crimes always, always gone up. And uh, in California a couple of years ago, because it's a heavy Democratic state, I don't know, maybe it was longer than that, Anthony, they passed a initiative where it's no longer the top Republican and the top Democrat that right. go into a runoff race. It's now the two top vote getters. So what ends up happening is in our senatorial election, I, I believe it's Barbara Boxer that's done. I'm either Boxer or Feinstein, neither of which are pro-gun uh, senators. I believe it's uh, Boxer that's going out. Thank you. Her, you know, there's no Republican option to even vote for to replace her. It's between two yeah. different candidates. Yeah, and this this is how bad our – if you want to know how bad Camel Harris is – our state attorney general, she attended a uh, funeral. As attorney general, you always get invited to the funeral of police officers. Uh, traditionally, they're allowed to say something on behalf of the Department of Justice and the people of California. Uh, unfortunately, recently, she's had to go to the funeral of three police officers. The families requested, first of all, that they not even come. And second of all, that they not speak. That's never happened before because she is so anti-law enforcement, which is surprising in the position that she holds. And then the other one that we have, what, Loretta, not the Indian. uh, Loretta Sanchez. Loretta Sanchez. Yeah, uh, she's a a wingnut. I would actually vote for Sanchez because she's such an idiot. It would just be total entertainment uh, to uh, (laughs) watch her just stumble across herself. All right, so we'll. Uh, I think we've between the uh, interview with Josh Waldron and the roundtable tonight. I think we've given our listeners about as much election coverage as uh, we can all stomach. But I want to leave you with one last question, as it pertains to what you guys are seeing in the market or um, across the board at your local shop or whatever you're involved in. Um, do you see panic buying taking place uh, right now? Whether it's lowers, ammo, magazines. Um, what are you guys seeing out there, Anthony? I'm going to start with you. Um, well, I'm I've seen a lot of things dry up in stores, um, and again, I don't know if this is because of the this election or the results of a lot of ballot me- or uh, sorry, not ballot measures, um, state laws that will be going into effect, um, mainly banning the sale of new AR-15s and having to do all kinds of modifications. Uh, to rifle, so you know, go back and look at our uh, interview with Darren Prince uh, for an inter- or, you know, for an idea of what that means. Um, so I don't know if the shortages are more related to that or if they're related to the election panic in general. Um, I'm gonna say, Mike, have you, uh, Michael, have you been into a gun store and taken a look? <laughs> yeah, uh, very much so. In fact, I was in one uh, uh, last week. And uh, no, the, there's not so much panic buying. Uh, now, people are buying items and, and lowers, uh, you know, not, not to uh, as, as much as JD does. 
Um, but kudos to the gun stores that they're not raising their prices. That, yes, that is something you know, for that those I parts for those lowers. Yeah, or the ammunition for for that matter, because we have no idea how the ammunition find. is going to go. Um, yeah, that's that's true, and uh, they I think they learned from the last one uh, because you know they they raised their price, and then a few of them just got stuck with extra lowers that they couldn't sell, and some of them ended up selling them for for a loss, uh, which they actually had to replace because there was a uh, company out of. Uh, uh, San Diego, they manufactures lowers, has the same initials as uh, one of the hosts. And uh, they got in such a rush to manufacture all those lowers to keep up with the demand, they stopped their uh, quality uh, assurance and PM preventive maintenance on there. And there was a whole bunch of lowers that came out that were out of spec. So those all had to be replaced. So the idea of, you know, any money that uh, these, uh, uh, what would you say? call them scoundrels, uh, made by raising their prices. They actually lost due to loss of product quality. <laughs> John? Um, I haven't been in a local gun store recently. I did go to a gun show early October. I did not see panic buying. It was nothing like January 2013 when... For example, an AK I bought in September and October for $400 was now going for $1,000. Um, I didn't see the panic buying. I didn't see a lot of people. I did see people buying ammo, but I think it was just good prices. And I bought ammo this past week online. And the prices seemed reasonable. They did. They weren't higher than I would have expected uh, for a couple different companies. John, when you were at that gun show, did you see the loophole it was glaring <laughs> glaring loophole what about you reed you know I, I always wonder why they call it a loophole when in fact it's just something that nobody thought they needed to pass a law about i mean does that make it a loophole so what alcohol we're all drinking alcohol because there's a loophole they didn't ban it there there's no restriction on it so it must be a loophole you know, we need to close the alcohol loophole so that we can't all go to bars and have a beer whenever the heck we want. Um, you know, that's I, why there's Vegas because they never close. <laughs> I have not seen a uh, any panic buying, and and I I gauge that based on we have a Cabela's here. It's one of the larger ones in the area in terms of outdoor sporting goods stores. And it was one of the first ones hit because it's readily um, it, it's readily known as being a, a source for you know bullets and uh, you know reloading brass and uh, black powder and and firearms and all the other you know items and and they were pretty much ravaged in terms of inventory during the the last number of panic periods and. For them, it's, you know, well-stocked shelves, business as usual. You know, for me, that's kind of like the canary in the coal mine. You know, when they start getting kind of bare, that's when I go to my, you know, um, my secret resources and, and get whatever I think I might need. But I, I don't I don't think I've seen anything that would approach the panic that we've seen. Now, um, what, Tuesday night? It wouldn't surprise me that there are going to be a whole bunch of people with... Uh, Loaded shopping carts 
you know, waiting for the last polls to close before they hit purchase. And, uh, then we'll see an entire, you know, inventory system just lock up in gridlock. Do you guys, <laughs> do you guys think we'll see the return of the $90 PMAG? Oh, geez. I hope so. I have a bunch. <laughs> I didn't buy, buy any of them for 90 bucks, but, you know, geez, I'll sell them for 90 bucks. I can, I can, I can use my, uh, my steel mags and my other mags until uh, the glut goes away, and then I'll either send my daughter to Harvard or, <laughs> or I'll buy some more ten dollars Magpul yeah. magazines. I mean, that's the one. That's the one thing I remember from the last Panic Rush was that uh, Magpuls were more expensive than dirt, and they were going for like ninety bucks. So. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was absolutely ridiculous. Wow. Well, fellas, I think that about wraps up this edition of the AR-15 podcast. Um, real quick, John and Michael. John, first, uh, where can we find you? You can find me at the Polite Society podcast, and you can also find me at my blog, No Lawyers, Only Guns and Money. Michael? Yeah, and I'm on the Competitive Rifle podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. I hope soon to be able to put out some shows about some of the matches I went to. I went to the National Civilian Marksmanship matches, a three-gun nation match, and uh, I've got some nice products to uh, review. And a big shout-out to Vortex. Uh, they, I'm, as you were, not Vortex, a Voltor. They just did a outstanding job with some customer service uh, on some products that I bought. Um, and then they sent me some more stuff to review. So that was good. Nice. Uh, you can find Reed, Anthony, and myself, and uh, also Chris when he pops in uh, here at the AR-15 podcast uh, weekly, most of the time. This week, we're spoiling you guys just a little bit with three episodes um, jam-packed. Coming up uh, next week, or it, it'll be a little bit of a delay, but we'll get you that part two of uh, Rocky Harrigan being on the podcast. We'll talk a little bit about uh, lady shooters, what to do to be ambassadors to first-time shooters. Uh, also, we have Bob Faxton. Uh, coming up a little bit later, uh, we sat down with the Gun Collective for about two and a half hours. It was highly entertaining. Uh, we can't wait to share that with you. Uh, we're also going to be talking to uh, the ladies that are um, promoting the Springfield Armory um, Saint that just was announced, their new AR that they're offering to the market. So we will be talking to them uh, next week. So a lot of stuff lined up for you here uh, at the AR-15 podcast. And, Reed, I think that about wraps us up. All right. Well, Anthony, why don't you read us out? Oh, I don't even have it open. You said there were no oh, show come notes. On. Come on, yeah. Anthony. Let's do, the, let's do this from memory. If you have any questions or comments, you can give us, uh, shoot us an email at uh, ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram. And I don't remember the name. <laughs> okay. It's facebook.com slash ar15podcast and Instagram at ar15podcast. Um, we're also on Twitter, Twitter too. Do you know that? I found our account and uh, started getting a little bit more active off that. It'd been about seven months since our last post. So um, we're busy. We're trying to put the show together and do some cool stuff. Uh, you can also support the show at firearmsradio.tv. Click on pledge. Hit the AR-15 podcast link there. Guys, anything monthly will make a huge difference in us expanding and growing the show. We'd like to do some great things, and uh, it's going to take some funds to do it. So if you enjoy the content, uh, the wisdom that Reed shares, the 
BS that I share and the technical genius that Anthony shares, uh, please consider uh, supporting the show at uh, firearmsradio.tv. Click on pledge and then go to the AR-15 podcast, several levels. You can get involved there. Uh, and with that, I believe we're all read out. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we all hope for the best and uh, we'll take what we get. But uh, we'll see you guys real soon uh, on the next episode of the podcast. Have a good week. Bye. 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 This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.